Hello and welcome to Vibrant Lives podcast, formerly Amanda's Wellbeing podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to health and well-being, featuring interviews with experts in the fields of nutrition, physical and mental health, and my five-minute food facts series. I'm Amanda Hayes, your host. I'm a lawyer turned nutritionist with a deep curiosity about living a healthy, active and fulfilling life, which I would call a vibrant life, and sharing what I learn with you here on this podcast. Before I introduce today's guest, I'll briefly note that although I will often be speaking with experts, any information or advice provided in Vibrant Lives podcast is not intended to be used to treat any medical conditions and it's never a substitute for advice from your own health professionals. Today I'm here with Kristen Lewis, former Australian road cycling champion. Kristen's love for cycling has propelled him towards a career in health and fitness. He owns three gyms, Life Personal Trainers, with his wife, Tanya, and he has recently opened an indoor spin studio called Echelon Cycling Studio. In today's discussion, we'll talk about fitness in general, cycling and what is unique about Echelon Studio, including how it can assist cyclists of all levels, from elite cyclists to absolute beginners. We'll also touch on one of Kristen's life skills about which he is quite passionate, and that is routines. Kristen is a delightful and kind human, and I enjoyed his company and trust that you will too. Hi, Kristen. It's great to have you here today at Vibrant Lives Podcast. So, Kristen, let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely an Adelaide boy. Um, so, um, my parents, uh, my, my dad was from here. Uh, my mum is Malaysian, so she was from Kuala Lumpur and um, came to Adelaide for uni. Um, and that's how um, I ended up in Adelaide. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, uh, do you have any contact with your Malaysian side of the family? I do. I haven't been over there for a while. Yeah. Um, it's probably uh, probably since we started having children. Right. Uh, but the plan is to get back there at some point with, with the kids. So, Brilliant. Yeah. And Kristen, how did you develop an interest in cycling? Yeah, that's, that, that's um, a, an interesting one. So, I probably, um, I reckon mountain bike riding was becoming a thing mm-hmm. when I was um, in my early teens. Um, and I, um, I, live, I grew up in Belair and so... Uh, used to ride my bike through Belair National Park um, uh, for fun, and then um, at high school, uh, I went on a high school camp, and as a year, I think it was year eight or year nine, and my year eleven camp leader, who was one of the other students there, he actually raced mountain bikes, and right. so I didn't even know you could. So talking to him and finding out about it, um, I, I sort of thought that I might like to do something like that. Yeah, and I'd always sort of had some success in like aerobic sports, like running and things. So I ended up um, doing my entering my first mountain bike race, which I won. And so, uh, you know, thereafter it seemed like a good thing to keep doing. So um, yeah, started off in mountain bike riding and then moved into the road. Uh, yeah, a few years later. And why did you make that transition to the road? Why didn't you just stick with the mountain yeah, bikes? Yeah. Um, so mountain biking back then, I reckon, was it still wasn't a very professional sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I did notice was any of the guys who were good mountain bikers, they all uh, trained on the road as well. Right. Um, just because there's just more consistent, you're on the pedals more consistently, whereas yeah. mountain bikes tend to be, you ride up a hill and you're working hard, and then there's lots of downhill and freewheeling. So from a fitness point of view, um, not as helpful from a training perspective. Yeah, sure. So yeah, started riding on the road, and then I guess started racing on the road because again, that's what some of these mountain bike riders who I aspired to be like were doing. And then when I started looking into that, you, you then could see that actually there were people who did road cycling as a professional sport, yep. as a career. Um, and I think that's what got me in. That was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. So um, yeah. started heading down that, down that path. So there was a, a clear pathway, whereas perhaps yeah. not for mountain bike riding back then. That's right. Mountain yeah. biking was, yes, I think it was still very much in its infancy and, you know, it was still, um, yeah, still developing as a sport. And so you're, you did very well on the road bike you're a former Australian road cycling champion so when you were in that phase Kristen where did you train and who did you train with I guess um yeah living in Adelaide so I've just training around the Adelaide hills a lot I probably got my first uh leg up if you like through uh, meeting a, a chap called John Murray 
Um, so John was a cycling coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a, a hard taskmaster, but we <laughs> we um, I think we worked really well together. So um, I was really hungry to learn, um, and so he took me under his wing, um, set my sort of training program. Mm-hmm. Um, I would always call him after each race and debrief on sort of blow by blow what happened and yep. the decisions I'd made dur- during the race and what perhaps I should have done differently. Um, so he was a real mentor for me um, yeah, over, a no- over a number of years and really helped me to uh, to get established in the, in, on, as a road cyclist. Mm-hmm. And then from there, did you go, were you part of a team or something like that? Yeah, there was, I was actually trying to think back. So there was there was numerous teams, I guess. So yeah. um, there wasn't probably the same level of, uh, I guess, amateur teams that there are right. now, um, but there were a few. So there was... There was one I remember. Uh, Rio Coffee was one of our sponsors at some point. We had a had a, had a team with those and with a North Adelaide cafe called Cafe Pazano at the time. Oh yes. Um, a guy called Macali Primaro, who was um, he he sort of you know, ran our team. Uh, so there was that component from a local perspective, mm-hmm. and then I guess the main thing was to try and make uh, make teams which were comprised of both uh, interstate riders and riders from South Australia um, for the bigger uh, interstate races. Yeah. So that was my main aspiration, um, and obviously to get uh, get into our state team and things, so that I could compete at like national titles and things like that. So uh, that was sort of the level then, rather than having a, you know a really organised um, national road series team right. like they do now, which is fantastic. So yeah. it was that sort of thing was it was coming, but it wasn't quite at the same level that it is at now. And so that was in the late nineteen nineties. Is that right? Uh, yeah. yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah. So I reckon I was first year. A first-year senior cyclist in 1996. Right. Okay. And so at your peak, what would a typical week of training look like? I can certainly remember because I think it was 1996, my first year as a a senior. Um, I know for that year I I rode 33,000 kilometres for the year. So I don't think I've ever done anything like that since that time. It's full on. It it is full on. Yeah, I didn't have much of a life back then. but yeah, just lo- yeah, lots of uh, lots of kilometres. I think just to try and bridge that uh, the difference in racing distance from being a junior to a senior. Right. Um, and then um, yeah, I particularly remember doing lots of strength type efforts, which is where you ride up hills like Norton Summit in a really big gear. Oh. Um, so I remember one. You know, I can remember doing some blocks of those. We'd have to do three of those on a Monday, Wednesday, and a Friday. So. Um, yeah, I, I must have been fit back then. Oh, I'm sure you were. <laughs> Sounds like it. Did you do any cross training? Uh, very little. I, yeah. I, I dabbled a little bit in the gym um, just with some of the um, exercises that my coach had asked me to do. Um, but predominantly, it was it was on the bike, um, on the road. Mm-hmm. I then I, I did do a little bit on the track and on rollers from a tech, probably more from a technique and speed perspective. Right. But I definitely did that under sufferance. I think road was where my, uh, I guess, heart was. Yeah, where you wanted to be. Yes. Apart from your wife, and we'll mention her later because I believe she was also a cyclist, what did cycling bring to your life? Um, I, th- I think for me, I've, I've always been a um, pretty goal-focused or mm-hmm. st- and structured person. So for me, um, and I'd always been involved in sport and pretty worked out from a young age that I had reasonable aerobic capacity. So... I think, um, you're probably also a reasonably competitive person uh, in some respects. So yeah. I think for me, uh, it gave me the opportunity to um, to compete, which I really, really appreciated. Um, uh, once we got into you know the team side of things, I really like, I love the team component yeah. of cycling and the tactics, and um, um, particularly when there, there was definitely a very much a, a South Australia versus the rest of the states thing going on, and um, yeah, we were generally the underdog and generally underpowered, but every now and then we did managed to have some success, which was really, which was really good. Um, so I think for me, that was the main part was just, um, yeah, I really enjoyed like the physical training um, yeah. and yeah, the, the, the racing and um, that, that, that went along with it. And the structure from the sound of it definitely, as well and yeah, the camaraderie definitely. of the other riders. Yeah. Um, so your wife, Tanya, who I said was also a cyclist and you now have four daughters. Now, have any of them showed an interest in cycling or are they a bit young still? Ah, oh, they're, they're, they're probably a bit young. I mean, our, yeah. our eldest is um, Frankie. She, I mean, she's interested in nearly everything. So um, that, they're all doing athletics at the moment. But um, yeah, we've certainly, I think we've got, we've got three of them are on bikes. And so 
we make our way around the Adelaide Parklands loop. There's about a 25 <laughs> or 20k um, loop that you can do around town. So that's sort of fun. But the, uh, our littlest one, who's almost four, she still, still sits in the front bucket of a cargo bike that my right. wife rides. So um, her, her, her dream is to be able to ride by there by herself. Yeah, so to join in the she others. She can't be too far away. <laughs> yeah, I guess her legs are a little. They are, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Be behind everyone else. So you've got four daughters, as we just mentioned. You're a father, you're um, a husband, you're a business owner. So how do you continue to incorporate cycling into your own life? Yeah, well, I think on a practical level, uh, <laughs> by getting up really early. Yeah. Um, so uh, best thing for me is to be out of the house before anyone else is awake. Mm-hmm. So I'm generally on the on the road or um, doing a session at a cycling studio sort of uh, just after five. Oh, right, really um, early. So I'm uh, – and I'm generally – I generally start work around 7.30. So mm-hmm. uh, I ride for around an hour in the mornings um, during the week and then um, sort of home by 6.15, have breakfast with the kids and then Perfect. I'm out, out the door at 7.15. Yeah. So, um, and I think, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm motivated to do it because um, – I guess these days it's not as much competitive for me, although I like being, I guess, as fit as I can be. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, I've just, you know, really, uh, I really understand the both the physical, the obvious physical and health benefit. Yeah. But probably particularly for me now, um, riding my bike is probably the, it's like the quietest time of my day. Yeah, it's like it, your meditation. It, it or is, something. yeah. So yeah. there's not there's not um, emails to answer or phone calls or people yeah. that need something. So people saying, um, "Dad, Dad, yeah, Dad." Yeah, yeah. So I think as much as I love all those other parts of my life, it, it is nice just to have that little bit of peace and quiet, even though you're working hard physically. Um, and I also really enjoy being outdoors. Uh, it's always been something which I've I've valued. So it's probably the main way that I spend time um, during the week anyway. Mm. Outdoors is on, my, it's on my bike. So, yeah, that's that's a big part of it as well. So, in the winter then, it's obviously pretty dark when you're out there. So Yeah, so you, you, need, you need to have you need, good lights. Yeah, of um, course. So, but but I, think, uh, I think for me at that time of the morning, it's not so much being concerned about cars. It's probably more uh, like rocks in the road, like through the hills, um, but also wildlife. So yes, yeah, our, our sort of groups had issues with kangaroos, with deer, um, primarily those two. Yeah. Um, and so I guess yeah, you you you, ha- you really have to be focused. Yeah, you, you have when, to have when you're going downhill. You can't your you, wits about you. Don't correct. You? Yeah, you can't you can't relax because um, that you know, they move pretty quickly and they're really difficult to see. Yeah, right. Wow, that's interesting. Who would have thought? (laughs) So you and your wife, Tanya, own a successful personal training business, Life PT, and I think you've got three locations. Is that correct? Yep. So exercise and fitness, as as you've clearly alluded to, is a huge part of your life. So let's talk in quite a general sense, I think, about exercise so at a really basic level, Kristen, why is exercise important and what types of exercise should people do? Yeah, sure. So I think um, there's there's probably a couple of different levels. So I think, you know, most people these days um, are reasonably well educated and it, it's easy to, you know, to read up and see why exercise is good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the majority of the health promotion that we're exposed to is all around, um, I guess, if if you don't exercise, all of these different negative health things will happen to you. And and there's obviously a a strong proof in relationship with that, and I agree with all of those. So I think on a basic level, it is about health. Um, Probably the area that I'm really interested in pushing into that I certainly spend a lot of time talking with clients about is um, the the upside, the the other side of it. So rather than saying, if you don't do this, bad things will happen to you, I guess I prefer to think of it as... If you do these, all these good things will happen yeah. to you. Um, so certainly for me, um, that comes from my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. It comes from my, I guess, my training, like doing human movement at university, um, and just through my experience as a, a personal trainer and coach. Um, so I think you know, obviously on a physical level, like you know, just feeling feeling better. Um, uh, the the friendships you meet by yeah. spending time with like minded people. I sort of probably look at my riding group as, you know, that's my pub time, you know. So yeah. I'm riding a bike with a bunch of guys rather than at the pub drinking. So it's probably going to be a good thing. Um, I think the other part to it too, though, is that uh, I, I really believe that exercise has a massive upside in relation to, you know, resilience, mental yep. capacity. Um, and, you know, I think for me, 
I, I really believe that I couldn't run as hard as I do in all aspects of my life if I wasn't really, really fit. Sure. Um, so yeah. I think, yeah, that, that, that looking at that upside um, is important. And I think, you know, there's another, another good example of that would be if you look at, you know, all of the um, CEOs of, 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 you know, large listed companies now. I think that image of a, a CEO being the guy up in the glass <laughs> office smoking cigars and drinking scotch is probably long gone. Yeah. Uh, I reckon they're all up early. Their business is a 24-7 uh, situation and so they're cycling, they're running, they're seeing personal trainers, they're doing yoga uh, because they've realized that that becomes a really important uh, tool to help them manage themselves and also then give the best to their business. Yeah, and it also gives, I think, in terms of the mental health side of it, just gives you perspective Definitely. As well, yeah, I definitely. Think. You often don't, um, you often don't uh, solve your problems out there. Well, sometimes you do, but um, I think you, you do get to see them in with greater clarity. Yes. And see them for what they are, rather than sort of getting caught up in the, the sort of the, 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 on, the on the rat wheel, if you like. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think that's really helpful. Uh, in terms of um, the types of exercise, I mean, I guess the the two sort of big types one is cardiovascular so getting your heart rate up and yes. the other is strength based so should people do a mix of both yeah so i think you know the i think the textbook book answer is if you if you go and see the you know the australian guide to um i guess to to, to exercise or movement or exercise um it recommends um 150 minutes of aerobic exercise or mm-hmm. that could be as little as 75 minutes if the exercise is classified as moderate to vigorous mm-hmm. per okay. week is it per week so yeah. yes um and also specifying within that um that the other two components are um doing strengthening exercises um a couple of times a week yeah and minimizing sitting time so they're, they're the, the three uh main recommendations from that so that really captures i guess on a on a, on a basic level um and then I've, i think you know from my perspective so in our personal training business, we mainly work with clients who would be um, probably you know between 35 and 75 years mm. old. But we have clients in their 80s, 90s. Oh, um, that's impressive. It is that they are they are impressive people to yeah. be around. Um, and I think you know what you realise is that um, things like mobility become super important yeah. as we age. So you know I've certainly learned a lot from observing these clients and learning from them about the sorts of things that are going to become important as I age. Yeah. Um, and yeah, definitely strength, mobility, um, balance um, are some things that people don't think about as much, but are super important. And so, when you have a client, what what is the benefit then of of doing a sort of a one on one PT session as opposed to a group session? Like what yeah. what does tailored exercise bring to people? Sure, sure. So I guess you know for different people, it's important for different reasons. So. I think, you know, you might have a client who is already someone who exercises a lot and they want to come and see us for something very specific. Mm-hmm. So that might be um, for a particular rehab program or they may already do a lot of cardiovascular work but um, want some specific strength work. Um, or we have, you know, we have a lot of, for example, runners who may want to do their running prehab. So that's effectively yeah. a whole bunch of exercises to assist them to remain injury-free um, in their sport. Um, we have other clients who, I guess because they've been on the planet for um, a few more years than 20, um, it's just generally been long enough to have a few niggles. Yeah. Um, that perhaps they're women who have had babies and so there's um, there's implications of that. So generally for them being in a group environment where um, you sort of have to go with majority, um, you can choose to do your own, but it, it does tend to detract from the class to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um so we find in a one-on-one environment, you, you can talk to people, you can actually understand what they're about, what they want, what yeah. they need, um, and then he- tailor it so that um, what one client would work on could be very different from someone else. Yeah. Um, so we've got clients who, you know, they'll finish a session and they'll be absolutely destroyed because that's what they're, they're after. They want right. to be worked really hard and that's what they're engaging us for. And then we have other clients who would only exercise at, I would describe, a, a, a moderate pace or gentle pace um, because uh, they may have particular injury issues. Yeah. Uh, they may have other things which prevent them from working hard. Um, so I guess in the end for us, our, our objective is that everyone who walks out the door feels like they've got some value from that yeah. um, as opposed to you know having come in and just done what they could have done by themselves. In that case, they've probably wasted their money. So we aim to obviously add value to, to what they could do exercise-wise. Yeah, and I think one of the benefits I've found with having a personal trainer is 
you might think you're doing something a certain way, but they'll point out something and you think, oh, okay, so I need to like relax my shoulders or whatever it is, something that you can't pick up yourself. Yeah, definitely. And I, 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 think, I think for us, again, um, working down the active aging path because that, that's really important, I think, for a lot of our clients. Um, it's helping them to develop better what we call movement quality. So it's not just doing an exercise better. It's doing an exercise better, but that exercise replicates uh, an everyday yeah. movement pattern. So if they can do that better, then they're going um, to they, they're use their body as it was intended mm-hmm. um, and they're going to have less pain or likely to have less pain, less issues in the future. And then they can, um, yeah, continue to live active lives and do the things that they want to do. Yeah. I mean, it's so important. I'm at the age now where I'm uh, watching, you know, my friends, my parents and my friends' parents sort of hit their mid 70s to 80s yes and it's when you really notice the ones that have kept themselves fit yes uh uh, have a better quality of life essentially yes i mean you you need a little bit of luck as well but i think there's a bunch of things that we can control um and um yeah i think it's interesting also that uh we've we've had a number of those clients who they've probably started because their 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 son or their daughter (laughs) has sort of gently pushed them in the door and so they haven't wanted to be there at the start um, but and but now they come. They they, they love being there. They love yeah. the people they they spend time with. Um, the, the other clients. Um, and they they've got to know everyone and, and and understand what they need to do there. And it's added really real value to their lives. Yeah. No, it's fun. I think that that's certainly how I've found it. And yeah. as we said, you own you already own three gyms, and you have recently opened up Echelon Cycling Studio. So why did you want to add to your workload and do that? Yeah, still working that out actually. Um, <laughs> no, I think um, it, it's it's probably been on the um, it's been something that Tanya and I, my wife, we've, we've talked about probably for the last I'll say five years, but it's probably been ten years in reality. Right. Um, so it probably started four or five years ago. We sort of thought, yeah, we should do something like this, and we spent a bit of time going and trying um, and seeing what else was out there mm-hmm. around Australia. So we we went. We've probably been to half a dozen studios uh, over in Melbourne and also over in Sydney um, to see what was out there. And, yeah, there was a real diversity in what, what right. people were providing and to different sort of target groups. Um, we talked to, you know, a, 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 a big group over in the States to see what they were doing. And so I guess um, it just seemed like a logical fit because uh, we both had, had a fitness background yep. operating a business and had experience with that. Um We'd both come from a cycling and racing background, so that was a passion um, for both of us. Um, and I guess we sort of felt like, you know, since probably the time that the Tour Down Under came to Adelaide, that Adelaide had developed a real cycling culture and and also that I think in a general sense, cycling had gone from, uh, like when I first started, there was only ever racing cyclists or the guys who, you know, rode to work with panniers on their oh, yes. know, back wheel. Um, whereas now I think the... the larger segment of cyclists are recreational cyclists yeah. some serious some not so serious um, so we we believe there was a real market to to help those people improve their cycling you know whatever that meant to them i believe that yours is the first of this kind of studio in south australia is that yeah, correct? Look, yeah. It, it, it is in its in, in the format it's in um and so that um you know a big part of um setting this up was actually trying to get our heads around what technology was available yeah. um and um there is that's a, it's a real uh, emerging market at the moment, um, and is you know the, the technology is very very new very new. So, the bikes that we have, for example, we were one of the first um, businesses around the globe actually um, that have had those bikes, and they're from a really re- really well known equipment supplier. It's been good being first in in one yeah. sense because um, we've really had their ear, and they've been. Um, that they're trying to push into this, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, boutique sort of market yep. um, in a, a studio rather than like a big gym. Set, yeah, so, so can you explain to us then the equipment you have, the bikes you have, um, what they are and how they differ to like a big cycling studio in a, in a gym, for yeah, example? Yeah, sure. So so I guess what so I guess the things that we definitely wanted from our bikes were um, we know that cyclists are very particular about their equipment typically mm. and so we didn't want a bike that looked or felt like a, a spin bike, if yeah. you like, in a gym. We wanted yeah. a bike that looked and felt and even sounded like a, yeah, a road bike that you yeah. would ride. So that was one criteria. I think the other criteria for us is we didn't want to set up where people brought their own bikes in um, 
just because there's just too much messing around, yep. um, loading, mm. unloading, and a lot. Of, m- most of our clients we envisage will be really busy people. So we wanted bikes that would you could take measurements from your road bike, yep. jump on these bikes, set them up really quickly, which these bikes uh, do have the capacity to do. I think everyone who has ridden them as a cyclist agrees that they feel they feel really good. They feel as good as a, a stationary bike can feel compared with a road bike. Um, yeah. And I think um, the, the other key part to that is that they they're smart bikes, so they have um, they have the ability to plug into uh, uh, I guess a, some a web based interface that we use. Mm-hmm. Um, so we construct programs on that interface. Um, and then they're delivered through the bike. Um, and there's there's a couple of different modes of doing that. And without boring you with all the technical jargon, effectively, it just enables each user to be at all different levels of fitness. Yeah. So you could have effectively the world champion sitting next to, you know, someone who was a relatively new cyclist. Uh, and, and we could have them working at a level that was appropriate for them in the session. So while everyone in the class is doing, you know, this, the same style of program, they're all working at a level that's um, suitable for them um, yeah. because of the technology of, of, of these bikes. So. It's great, actually, because, as you say, it enables people who have different levels of or fitness or power to participate together in the same thing. So I'll just describe it. I did a class this morning. Um, so it's got great metrics. So there's a screen at the front of the room and you can see your watts and your cadence and and, on, and then you also have your phone in front of you, which has another screen on it. Um, and you can see your heart rate. And anyway, lots of metrics there. So that's fun. So you could be doing the same program as the big, strong guy next to you, but just at a lower watt setting. Yeah, that, that that's sense. right. And, you know, I think the other thing that my wife and I laughed about was that we, we felt it would cater for all the cycling widows <laughs> out there, be they, be they male or female, so that... It was a time when actually they, they could ride with their partner and they could both ride at their own levels and do something together. So That's true. Hope, hopefully that's helping a few relationships out there. <laughs> yeah, instead of the one of them getting cross with the other one for holding them that's up. Right, yeah. That's right, that's <laughs> right. Uh, so talk us through what does a session look like if I rolled up to um, Echelon Cycling Studio, what could I expect? Yeah, sure. So I think initially the... the, the the most important piece of information that we want to know is um, is trying to understand each person, like what their cycling background is, if they have any, um, and I guess what they're hoping to get out of the session. So, mm-hmm. you know, where where does this training fit with their broader goals? Yeah. Um, so some people turn up and they've got some race goals they want to work towards. Other, other people just look, want to go up hills faster or improve their power output so they can um, they can rival their mates on the, on, on the weekends. Um and others are keen to learn a bit more about cycling technique. Um, so I guess one of the one of the advantages of um, having a co- like a coaching team there, and our team are all people who have been cyclists at you know uh, national and even international level. So um, they're, they're able to pass on tips yeah. to each participant while while they're working hard. So I guess that's the most helpful time to have feedback rather than just do it in theory. Yeah. Um, so I think for us. Getting that background is important. Um, secondly, um, ensuring that the person's um, set up correctly on the bike. So yeah. if they have their own bike measurement numbers, we can take those and uh, apply them to the bike. If not, we, we'll um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll guesstimate that initially, get them set up and then um, make adjustments as we go. Um, and then I guess based on all of that and what their goals and current fitness levels are, setting up their FTP, which is their functional threshold power. Um, and that's, I guess, if you like, a measure of their current level of cycling fitness yeah, um, and is what is used to determine what level they'll work at at the, at the bikes. And so we'll start with an initial level. Um, the program will start um, and um, they, they can manually override that up or down at any point during the session um, if they're perhaps having a really good day or not mm-hmm. having a good day or if, you know, if, we've, if we've guesstimated that number incorrectly and they need to make some changes. So that's normally what we would do for someone starting out. We would generally suggest they also um, start up perhaps at a conservative power level mm-hmm. initially uh, and then perhaps build up over a few sessions to work out what their true um, training power yeah. level is. And then generally that's what they'll stay on and work through the various different sessions that we will set. Yeah, I, I found that really helpful because um, I have been gradually building up my FTP, but for the last couple of weeks, I've deliberately put it down a bit because I've got this race coming up and yes. I don't want to be, you know, I need to do a lot of other training as well. Yes. So can you explain to us 
what the um, person is going to do in terms of how hard is it going to be? Is it going to be intervals? Is it going to be fast, slow? What's it like? Yeah, sure. Um, so you definitely, um, you, you won't be sitting on a bike and just pedaling away at moderate pace. Um, so this, all of the sessions are designed, um, I guess, to uh, to get people to work at a level which is challenging. Um, yeah. So um, I guess it's not just an indoor alternative to riding outdoors. Um, it's an it's indoor, yes, um, but that means it's a controlled environment where we where we can manipulate the different training variables. So, so effectively, you get a really, if you want it, a really hard workout. Yeah. So we would sort of see it from an intensity point of view as being probably the peak of someone's exercise week. Yeah, um, sure. So getting them to work at um, that levels that are ultimately unsustainable, but you're not necessarily holding those for a very very long time. Um, the, the, the way the technology works, um, the, the bike holds you accountable uh, to the power level that you've inputted when you first started. So, um, And that goes up and down based on um, the programs we've set. And the, yep. the programs we've set are based on percentages of that of that FTP. Yeah. Um, so I guess yeah, what you'll experience will be that there'll be – you'll see different colored um, bars up <laughs> on the screen. Um, so, you know, blue is easy, red is hard is probably a very simple way to explain yeah, it. But there's a yeah. few – uh, different uh, grades in between um, and so uh, if you're in a blue area and you're pedaling along it'll feel quite easy but as soon as your bike hits that red zone you will feel the load gets a lot harder which forces you to pedal faster so yeah it does provide a lot of accountability if people want it um, and um, it is designed to be um, to provide some real intense training which I guess um, is supported by all of the science out there now yeah. that um, I guess supports training harder um, and using interval style type training rather than um, just doing lots and lots of, I guess, moderate constant uh, kilometers, slogging away, which endurance athletes traditionally tend to do. Yeah. Um, but perhaps um, science has moved on since that time. Um, and like, I think the other part for us is that, you know, a lot of endurance athletes are also, um, you know, they're people that are at the pointy end of their career, they're running businesses, they have young families, and so they always are challenged with time. And yeah. I think our vision for Echelon was that it would provide a really time-effective way to train because of the intensity it can help create in a safe environment. Yeah, you get a lot of bang for your buck. The sessions are 45 minutes. And would you say then it's a it's a form of um, HIIT, high-intensity in- interval oh, very, training? Yeah, very much yeah. so. That, 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 that's, it. that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So um, effectively periods of, um, I won't say rest, I'll say lower intensity yeah. uh with periods of higher intensity, and there's there's different style sessions, different uh, length of lengths of effort, um, and there's different programming rationale and why we would deliver um, different versions of that. So we, I think we have a bank of about um, eighty sessions that we've created, um, and we're sort of always creating new versions of that um, and, and updated sessions um, to help people work in different areas of, of of their cycling fitness. Yeah, yeah. So if someone is not a cyclist, could they attend echelon would it benefit them as well yeah absolutely um but you know i think they'd find, they'd probably find a few things strange like people clomping around with you know shoes with bike plates on uh, but in all seriousness yeah absolutely um so a couple of thoughts on that um we actually have another product um that i guess is probably aimed to be a bit more like a traditional spin class in a gym mm-hmm. so um very originally we've called it spin um, and so, um, the, in that, those classes, which my, my wife Tanya takes, um, uh, they, they, they use the bikes in a slightly different way. So, there's not the, quite the same level of accountability of the power um, changing gears for you effectively. Uh, you have control over gears um, and those programs are set based on gradient or, oh, okay. or a series of hills. Um, so, definitely, the, 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 the clients we have in those classes tend to be more general fitness clients mm-hmm. um, rather than, um, uh, you know, people who are recreational, keen, keen cyclists yeah. as such. So I think it would also be of benefit to people who might be thinking about cycling but are a bit nervous perhaps yeah. and just want to get their technique um, sorted out before they hit the roads. I think technique, technique and le- learning what to do in an environment where they feel safe yes. and they don't have to look over their shoulder and worry about getting run over by car um, – that's, I think that's a big part of it, and I think there's a um, yeah, there's a lot of people now who are taking up cycling. I'll say later in life, but you know, <laughs> not when they're really young. So 
they're coming to it later, which is, you know, it's a harder time to acquire skills. Yeah. Um, it can definitely still be done. Um, so I think this is an environment where they can learn um, some of the ways to, I guess, use their bodies on a bike to generate the best outcomes um, and I guess to fast track their learning of that yeah. so then apply on the road. Yeah, I, th- I think it's great that cycling's so popular. It's just such a fun way to spend time with it friends. Is, yeah. And, yeah. and I always feel when I'm riding in a group that I feel quite safe yes. because we're, yeah. we're easily seen if there's yeah, a bunch I, I of think, us. Um, you know, I, I can still remember, you know, you go to a barbecue 10 years ago and Someone would say, "Oh, you know, what what do you do?" And you, then you, when you get to the cycling bit, you sort of would be the person sitting on the sideline. Whereas you go to a barbecue these days, and like every second person is a cyclist <laughs> yeah. or has had a crack at it. Because I think ultimately it is a a form of exercise that can be sustained well into later life. Um, there's minimal joint impact, yes. um, so it seems to be something that people can do um, and keep doing for quite some time. It, it can be quite social. Um, and there's opportunity also to, to challenge yourself and compete against yourself, not necessarily having to beat your friend, yeah. um, but just trying to beat your own times and, and improve, improve your fitness. And can you explain to our listeners, because some of them might not know, a lot of them probably will, what does cadence refer to in relation to cycling? Yeah, so cadence is um, uh, really simply, it's, it's the number of times that you're pedaling each minute. So um, if I'm pedaling at a cadence of 90 revolutions per minute, it means that... Um, yeah, I'm moving my, if I, if I looked, imagine my right foot and my right foot was at 12 o'clock, uh, it would return to 12 o'clock 90 times within that within that mm-hmm. um, minute. So did, there's different reasons. I know in an echelon session, we would program um, specific cadence goals yes. along with power and there's different reasons for that. So in a really simple sense, riding a lower cadence um, is, is helpful for improving the, your, your strength or the amount of torque you can generate at the, at the crank. Um, whereas a higher cadence is helpful for um, driving your heart rate higher, yeah. getting more of a cardiovascular benefit. Um, and I think a big part of, um, particularly for cyclists looking to improve their performance, is learning about what cadence uh, they can generate the most amount of power in. And yep. it is quite different. Um, so some people seem to be really good at pedaling quickly and, and you know, they're typically they're little climbers who can fly up the hills quickly. And then you have other other people who are perhaps you know more powerfully built and they, they they're better in a slightly lower cadence, but um, they can generate a lot of power that way. Yeah, and it's really good uh, to be able to experiment with that kind of thing in uh, an indoor studio. Uh, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I think as a road cyclist, you have to have the capacity to quickly change from one to the other as well. So we yeah. we do do a lot of work with like changing cadences from high to low and back again um, for that reason because that's what realistically happens on the road. Yeah, absolutely. Kristen, for any listeners based in Adelaide or cyclists who are planning to come to Adelaide, what's your favourite cycling route here? Yeah, sure. So actually, I, I actually rode part of it this morning. Um, so I reckon, and if you know, if I had a if I had someone over from overseas and was t- wanting to take them for just a yep. you know a nice uh, tour of um, of Adelaide, yeah, I, I think heading up Norton Summit um, over Basket Range, Forest Range, and out to Lobethal, yeah, and then perhaps coming back either via the Gorge Road or back through Handorf is a it's a, it's a really really um, nice way to see the Adelaide Hills on roads that are relatively quiet, um, and yeah, we'll, we'll really get you to appreciate um, how. How good we've got it here, yeah. and how how close it is. It's just, it's literally on our doorsteps. So um, yeah, we're very fortunate in that oh, regard. Oh, it's amazing. And I think because Norton Summit, for example, is so popular with cyclists that the most of the um, cars that go up and down are pretty used to That's right. cyclists yeah. there as well. And there's some good cafes along that route too. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a absolutely. fun part of it. And one other thing I'd love to touch on with you, because I think I read it on your website for your um, life personal trainers, is that you like routine. And I was thinking, yes, we have six people in your household um, without some form of routine. I think it would be totally chaotic. So can you give us some thoughts on routines, how they work for you, how you maintain them, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, great. So yeah, I'm really, I guess I'm really interested in this area. Um, I think yeah, I am someone who likes to leave nothing on the table. So I'm trying to do as I'm trying to get as close to a ten out of ten out of ten as I can in each area of my life. Mm-hmm. So, so firstly, I think what routine does is it enables uh, enables you to fit more in if that's your goal. Um, and I guess what it does it it for me separates out um, how you feel from what you do. 
So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, if I was, say, someone who decided, like, that's it, I need to, I need to do some regular exercise. I've, mm-hmm. I've been neglecting that part of my life for a while and I can see that if I keep doing that, it's, it's going to have a negative consequence to my health. So, you know, obviously I'm sitting down thinking about this and then thinking, right, I need to plan out how I'm going to do this. Um, so then what I do is um, I then start thinking about my week and thinking about like when, when will I be able to exercise and perhaps establish some blocks of time when I'll exercise. And so what I've got now is I've got a clear reason for exercising mm-hmm. um, and I've got a clear plan on how that's going to happen. Yeah. So then if one of those times was early in the morning and when the alarm clock goes off and I've had a late night the night before... Um, I guess having routines means that I'm more likely just to get up and do it. Yeah. But it's not about just being, I guess, mindless and um, not doing it for a reason. I've actually made that decision at a time gone by when I actually had time to think about it clearly, plan for it, um, and I'm not going to be derailed by the voice in my head at five in the morning that says, ah, but, you know, it was a late night last night and you didn't sleep very well. It's warm in bed. It's cold outside. (laughs) Yeah. All those things that we all face. So I think... um, what routine does is it helps us to to follow what we know is the I guess the right decision for us that we've made some time ago through um, planning and logic, yeah. and not be derailed by um, the emotion various emotions that we all experience yeah. at times. Um, so I think that for me that's a, a really key key part to it. So I think the generally speaking, we'll you know I'll, I'll set something up, I'll roll it out for a while. Uh, go back and review what's working and what's yeah. not, make changes, and then um, you yeah, push into, you know, version two of that, which is hopefully new and improved. And, you know, I, I'm probably classic for um, over-budgeting and thinking I can do more than I can. Yeah. Um, so I've had to learn that lesson the hard way mainly over years, but I think I'm better at it now just through practice. Through practice. And I think also having a routine takes that decision-making process out of it. It's set up, you're going to do it. You're not that, going to have to that's think. That's key. And so, you know, for me, explaining to a, perhaps a new PT client, saying to them, look, really, the only difference between you and I at that time in the morning, um, neither of us feel like getting out of bed. Um, but I've just pressed that manual override switch like yeah. millions of times. So it's not even, you know, it, it, so for me, the best analogy, which, you know, we've got on our website is I think brushing your teeth is a really good example. So none of us get to the end of the night, night and go, now, do I feel like brushing my teeth or don't I feel like brushing my teeth? It's, it's, we just do it because yeah. we know it's good for us. Yes. And I guess uh, the argument I, I, I try and make is that exercise should be like that. We should just do it because we know it's good for us. Um, and I think, you know, um, my, my sales pitch would be, I think that's where PT and having that support is really, really helpful yeah. because you, you have that sort of, I guess, support to help get you through that and that accountability so that ultimately you get it done in the in, a, in an environment where you've got competing priorities and then also if you've got it done i think if you say exercise in the morning it sets you up for a good day because absolutely. you haven't had that mental battle to yep. deal with uh, first off yep. you've you've just done it so what time do you go to bed then you have an early <laughs> early start yeah. most days um, i'd love to be in bed by nine every night um yeah. doesn't always happen oh, like that no. but um Look, I'd, I'd probably I'd probably aim to fall asleep by um, around ten if I can. Yeah, well, that's um, about the same as me. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that works for me. that works for me. Yeah, have you read um, Have you read Atomic Habits? I haven't. No. Oh, you'd probably really like it. It's basically all about uh, routines and forming habits and how small repetitive changes build up rather yes. than saying oh, I'm going to you know do some huge massive change and then it doesn't happen so anyway, yeah I think really the, definitely book. the psychology around it all is is um is super interesting it um, is and yeah I mean I think yeah you learn a lot about yourself through yeah trying sometimes having some success sometimes failing um, but I think that's part of how we learn so Kristen who inspires you yeah, I was thinking about this question. Um, I, I'm probably not someone that's got you know this, this one person, but I think I think for me, there's there's a, a couple of thoughts that I was going to share. So, I think um, for me, the people that I am inspired by are those who I think you know they're, they're perhaps they've got multiple things that they're trying to do, and they're trying to have a they're trying to have a decent crack at all of them. So, for example. Um, Perhaps they um, they run a business or they you know they've got a um, a successful career, mm-hmm. but um, what you also know about them is that they also you know perhaps really value their family um, and and it's important to them to put time into that um, and whether there's health or other aspects um, 
of their life as well. I think so for me, people having a crack at those things and trying yeah. trying their best to juggle and sometimes having some wins and sometimes not. Um, I feel I feel more inspired, I think, by those sorts of people perhaps than someone pursuing something where they're just doing one thing. Yeah. And it's not that it's wrong because I've been that person doing one thing before. Um, but I think, um, yeah, perhaps as I've grown older, maybe it's because of the stage of life I'm at, yeah, I find, um, I find yeah, I've, I'm fortunate to know a few of those people and, um, yeah, have definitely taken some inspiration and, and also some, um, yeah, picked up some pointers from, from each of those people and, yeah. and how they've done things. It's great to keep an open mind, isn't it, and keep learning from people around you, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's the best way. I mean, I, I know for, for, for me, I've, I've been fortunate to have various different mentors, like official and unofficial in different parts of my life over the years. And I think the the consistent um, trait of all those people are that they are people that I look at and go, in that part of life, you're 78 steps ahead of where I am. Um, and uh, I want to spend time with you to sort of, you know, learn what worked, yeah. learn what didn't work. And um, hopefully they can help me then improve my myself in that particular area. So, and I think, yeah, I'm, I hope that happens until the day I die because it's, yeah. it's also really interesting to learn um, from those people. Yeah, it is. And um, one thing I've discovered through doing this podcast um, and just generally being the age of 50 that I am, everyone has a story, yeah. don't they? Yeah, So absolutely. interesting. It is. Yeah. Kristen, the final question that I like to ask all my guests is if you could recommend two things, it doesn't have to be related to cycling, it can be anything, that people could do to improve their well-being, what would they be? I think um, wherever you're at, whether you're doing uh, a little or a lot, I think, um, yeah, ensuring that you've got physical activity as part of your life, yeah. um, I think that's really important. So, yeah, I certainly know people, some people in situations where, um, you know, they've got, you know, families um, and busy careers and they don't have a lot of help. So, they've got very, very... I think I'm busy, but these people are seriously busy and have very little time to themselves. Um, and their options to exercise um, in a formal sense are, are you know, pretty pretty, uh, pretty slim. So mm-hmm. I think just being able to incorporate some f- form yeah. of movement in their lives, um, just because I think, um, you know, it's very easy to probably just to put the whole thing down and think I'll get back to it later. But a small amount goes a long way. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit like the person trying to, you know, get in three walks a week, um, it's far harder to go from doing from not walking at all to establishing three five-minute walks than it is to turn those three five-minute walks into three one-hour walks. Yeah. The hardest part is finding the footprint. So so I think that's number one. And I think, yeah, number two would be um, uh, just being intentional. Um, so, again, I think a common thing that I would get is if you spoke to most people and you said to them, you know, if you think about well-being and health, like where would that sit in your priorities? Yeah. I think most of us would like to think that was in our perhaps our top two or three priorities. Yeah, for sure. Um, but more often than not, our diaries don't reflect that. Um, so I think um, I think you know making sure that uh, we actually do allocate time for our health and treating it with the same degree of seriousness that we would treat our career or our finances yeah. or issues with the family. Um, uh, yeah, having movement or exercise um, at that same sort of level. Um, and if, yeah. I can, if I can do a naughty third tip, you I've just, certainly I've just thought of it on the fly. Um, I think the other thing is too is looking at movement as an opportunity, not an inconvenience. Yeah, sure. It's a, it sounds like a cliche, but if you think about the classic situation where, you know, you're driving into town for a meeting somewhere and what do we all do? We all try and find the closest park to the door we've got to walk into the building. <laughs> we all do it. Guilty as charged. Um, so rather than thinking of it like that, it's not necessarily that you have to deliberately find a park far away. You could do, but if you did get a park far away, um, be grateful for that and think about yeah. this is an opportunity to move. Absolutely. Um, it's good for me. Um, and yeah, it's not a waste of time. So I think, um, that can flip things as well. Yeah. So, so it's not, oh, a hassle. I have to walk a bit further. Correct. It's like, oh, great. Yeah, that's I right. I get to have a bit of a walk that's right. before the meeting. That's right. Yeah. I think what you said before is really insightful about, you know, creating time for health and well-being because I think particularly busy parents do tend to often put themselves last. Yes. So if you carve out the time, that's good for everyone. It's good for your family as well. I, I, I agree. And I think, you know, as parents, um, you know, I think, well, actually I find parenting and management um, very similar. 
Um, so it's all about what you do, not what you say. So, yeah. you know, the leadership component is really important. So I know for me, like, what I'd want for my kids is that they had a love of exercise and I'm not fussed if they're particularly good at it or yeah. elite or fast, um, but just that it's something that they can enjoy doing because I know that will be good for their health and they'll form some good friendships through doing yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's 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 really important. Well, I'm sure they're getting the right example from so. you and Tanya. <laughs> yeah. So if someone wants to visit one of your gyms, Life PT, or have a go at Echelon Cycling, what's the best way for them to, to do that? Yeah, sure. So um, both of our websites, so, so uh, yeah, lifept.com.au and echelonsycling.com.au mm-hmm. uh, are probably the best ways. So they've yep. both got... Um, contact pages on there uh, and those contact pages that, that those contact requests come directly to me so okay. um, I'll respond to you um, and then can answer your questions and um, yeah get you started if that's what you'd like to brilliant. do brilliant and I'll put links to that in the show notes and I can certainly vouch that that's true because when I went um, onto the contact page uh, at Echelon you rang me straight away oh good so, yeah <laughs> thank you so much it's been great talking to you today Kristen thanks for having me And that was Kristen Lewis, former Australian national road cyclist, owner of Life Personal Trainers, Echelon Cycling Studio, and father of four daughters, talking all things fitness, cycling, and routine. So thank you very much for listening today, and I hope you found today's interview interesting and inspiring. If you did, please share the podcast and tell your friends about it. And if you could take a minute to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, It will help people find my podcast. If you would like to subscribe to Vibrant Lives podcast, you can subscribe on all good podcast providers like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Please follow me on Instagram at vibrant underscore lives underscore podcast and DM me if there's any people you'd like me to interview or topics you'd like to learn about, and I will try and deliver that to you. I'm always so grateful for any support of my podcast, and the best way you can do that is to spread the word. So thank you very much for tuning in. Eat well, move well, think well.